Hello and welcome to A Woman's Food for Thought, a podcast where we uncover the lives and works of lesser-known female political thinkers throughout history. My name is Grace Lee and I will be your host today as we take a look at one particular woman by the name of Olympe de Gouges. We will begin by learning about who she was and some of the notable events in her lifetime. We will then review major written works by Olympe de Gouges with a special focus on her Declaration of the Rights of Woman and the Female Citizen. We will also consider her broader contributions to the modern feminist movement. Finally, we will discuss any potential problems with their arguments by consulting critiques from scholarly literature. Our goal by the end of this episode is not only to better understand Olympe de Gouges, but also to see the merits of studying lesser-known female figures from the past and appreciate how their challenges to traditional gender roles have paved the way for contemporary women to have active civic lives. I invite you to get comfortable and join me as we now step into the world of Olympe de Gouges. On May 7, 1748, in Montauban, France, a baby girl by the name of Marie Gouze was born to Pierre Gouze, a butcher, and Anne-Olympe Mousset. Olympe de Gouge, as we know her, was born into a lower-class family and given the name Marie. Aside from these facts, and despite her prominence in later years, not much is known about her childhood. In her autobiographical story, The Memoirs of Madame Valmont, she claims to have been neglected by her mother and stepfather, never receiving a proper education until she was sent to a convent as an adolescent, which is when she learned to read and write. In 1765, at the age of 17, Marie was married to Louis-Yves Aubry, the son of bourgeois Parisians and domestic staff of the royal intendant of Montauban. Marie gave birth to a son one year later, but was soon widowed due to her husband's illness and early death, though some accounts claim she cut the marriage short by running away. In either case, she ended up moving to Paris, where she began her prolific career as a writer and political activist under a new name, Olympe de Gouges. It is assumed that she chose the name Olympe de Gouges because Olympe was her mother's maiden name, but also because of its celestial meaning and aristocratic form, which symbolizes her rise to new heights as a literary artist. As she began venturing into aristocratic Parisian circles, she claimed a new lineage for herself by identifying a certain nobleman and intellectual by the name of Marquis de Pompignan as her real father. This was her way of rewriting her own narrative and creating a title for herself with which to publish. In addition to this nominal transformation, her initial literary projects were enabled by patronage from a number of unnamed rich lovers. In 1786, Olympe suddenly appeared in print as a woman of letters, eager to make her mark as a playwright after witnessing the spectacular success of Mozart's Marriage of Figaro, but she was frustrated in her efforts to get her work staged. She subsequently wrote numerous plays but never received the accolades she sought. At a crossroads in her life and amidst the ongoing French Revolution, Olympe turned her attention to political pamphleteering not only to continue her writing career, but also because she was indignant about the lack of consideration for women's rights and their place in the public sphere. In 1791, she penned her famous Declaration of the Rights of Women and the Female Citizen, advocating for the inclusion of women's rights in the new French constitution and equality in relation to men. Her daring demands did not go unnoticed, and influential circles despised her for her activism. Meanwhile, Robespierre rose to political power and outlawed all women's clubs on October 30, 1793. 
Having noticed Olim's fervent advocacy and erstwhile loyalty to the monarchy, he ordered her arrest. In a dramatic and hasty trial, Olim was found guilty of insulting and slandering representatives of the people and thus assaulting the people's sovereignty. On November 3, 1793, Olim de Gouge was executed by guillotine, but not before addressing the crowd of spectators to avenge her death. A prolific writer and political activist, Olympe de Gouges attained the fame and renown she desired all her life only upon death and not for her work. We celebrate her today, giving tribute to the radical life she lived and how she paved a path for feminists after her. Throughout her life, Olympe de Gouges wrote 41 plays, 29 works of prose, and 63 political pamphlets. She rejected notions of propriety that were expected of women in her day and challenged existing views on women's rights in slavery. Olympe was neither a philosopher nor a politician, and she did not have as eloquent a writing style as some of her contemporaries. However, her avant-garde ideas and impassioned voice gave her much appeal in her own day and even today. Some of her better-known works in French include L'Homme Généreux, Le Mariage Inattendu du Chérubin, Zamor and Misra, Le Philosophe Corrigé, Mémoire de Madame de Valmont, Le Prince Philosophe, Democrats and Aristocrats, Le Nécessité du Divorce, Le Couvent, Les Trois Urnes, and of course, the Declaration of the Rights of Woman and the Female Citizen, which we will focus on now. Written in 1791 in response to the French Declaration of the Rights of Man and Citizen from 1789, Olympe's declaration was an open challenge to damaging opinions of women and argued for women's rights to be considered full, equal citizens of France. Though several versions exist, most contain a preamble, 17 articles to match those of the 1789 declaration, a postamble, and social contract between a man and a woman. Before dissecting specific articles, and in case listeners out there do not have access to the declaration at the moment, I will read part of the captivating opening statement. It reads, Man, are you capable of being just? It is a woman who poses the question. You won't deprive her of at least that right. Tell me, who gave you the sovereign empire to oppress my sex? Your strength? Your talents? Observe the creator in his wisdom. Survey nature in all its grandeur, which you seem to want to emulate, and offer me, if you dare, an example of this tyrannical empire. Everywhere you will find them intermixed. Everywhere they cooperate in this immortal masterpiece with a harmonious togetherness. Man alone has made a foolish principle of his exceptionalism. He wants to rule as a despot over a sex that has also been given every intellectual faculty. He claims to enjoy the revolution for himself alone and asserts his rights to equality so as to say no more about it. From the beginning, Olympe de Gouges questions the patriarchal political system which men have instituted much to the detriment of women and asserts that nature has imbued humans with inherent equality and intellect. Following the opening segment, the preamble makes a clear demand for women to be constituted in a national assembly, since they too have natural, inalienable, and sacred rights. Going further, Olympe's first article directly echoes that of the French National Assembly, but with the word man exchanged for woman. It reads, Woman is born free and remains equal to man in rights. Social distinctions may be based only on the common welfare. Here, Olympe directly responds to the exclusion of women in the preceding text by deliberately stating the inborn conditions of women that are equal to men. Article 6 in both versions is reminiscent of the Rousseauian argument that laws should be based on the general will. 
But what makes Olympe's take exceptional is that it proposes expanding the franchise to female citizens such that they are allowed to vote for representatives in government and to run for public office. As one scholar puts it, even if the revolution of 1789 had not regenerated man, in Gouge's 1791 pamphlet, it had generated feminism. Another article worth noting is number nine. In a strange yet significant omission, Olympe's version oversteps the principle of the presumption of innocence by claiming that women should be legally punished with all severity if found guilty while allotting men the necessary protections against unnecessarily violent police intervention. However, one need not dismay right away at this apparent divergence. Through this particular amendment, Olympe demonstrates her belief in a radical and most rigorous standard of justice for both sexes. She seems to portray her feminism as one that does not compromise social order and fairness in the pursuit of better treatment. This is evident in her argument in Article 13 that women too shall pay taxes and share burdensome obligations while receiving equal opportunities for employment and honors. She demands an equal part in civic life with the same rights and responsibilities as men. Though her claims are most reasonable by today's standards, they were deemed preposterous at the time and faced much resistance by both men and women. But such backlash is indicative of how progressive her views were in a society structured by and for male power. Through her declaration, Olympe de Gouges tried to mobilize female citizens and encourage women to become enlightened. In the post-amble, she says, Woman, wake up. Know your rights. Women, when will you open your eyes? What have you gained from the revolution? A more marked contempt, a more public disdain. Courageously use the strength of your reason to oppose men's vain pretensions to superiority. Unite under the banners of philosophy. Show all the energy of your character, and you will soon see these haughty men not groveling at your feet in slavish adoration, but proud to share with you the treasures of the Supreme Being. It is in your power to overcome them. You only have to will it. Here, Olympe portrays women's capabilities as dormant but full of potential to make, for themselves, a more equal society where they are appreciated for more than mere appearances. She places part of the onus on women to provoke changes that formal laws are slow to enact. This is not unlike the bifurcated approach that later feminist movements took to influence social reform at the same time as legal reform. In addition to promoting political rights for women, Olympe de Gouges also had much to say about marriage. Perhaps drawing from her own unhappy experience, she describes marriage as the tomb of trust and love. She sees the institution of marriage as fundamentally unbalanced in men's favor. Hence, she encourages women to escape society's expectation to do nothing else in their youth but be courted by men, and instead turn to education and moral restoration, something that philosophers Mary Wollstonecraft, Françoise de Graffigny, Ida B. Wells, and many others would condone. But knowing that women would not suddenly stop get, getting married, Olympe proposed a form or social contract between men and women, which people would sign to verify their consensual relationship and agree to conjugal promises. This sounds like what we know today as prenups. Going beyond the particular clauses, though, what Olympe offers to feminism through this contract is the idea that marriage is neither a duty nor a necessity, and if women choose to be wed, they should be equal partners and treated with respect. As one scholar comments, Olympe questioned liberalism's notion of universal human rights and why they did not apply to women who are also human and citizens. 
she challenged claims from prominent philosophers like Rousseau and early medical theorists who posited that women's bodies and sentiments made them intellectually inferior to men. Thus, as a proto-feminist, Olympe de Gouge considered how to emancipate women in both public and private life. On top of her advocacy for women, Olympe de Gouges is also exceptional for her vocal criticism of slavery and maltreatment of people of color, which was a rare stance among Europeans in the 18th century. She remarks that colonists are like despots who deny basic rights to the people of color on the islands they colonize. She argues that liberty is a universal birthright that must be equal for all. This was a most radical claim for her time and place. Her writing demonstrates a keen awareness and inclusion of other oppressed groups amidst her own subjugation, which is akin to the intersectionality we see in many social movements today. By extending her activism to defend the rights of black slaves, Olympe proves her genuine understanding of the universality of human rights, cross-cutting gender, race, and class. One could say that Olympe de Gouges was an exemplar of the informed, responsible, and active citizen we wish to cultivate across societies today. Some contemporary feminist scholars criticize Olympe de Gouges and other female thinkers, such as Mary Wollstonecraft, for advocating for women's rights from a white lens. That is, they are seen as falling short of promoting a more robust program of emancipation and are deemed troubling because they do not consider their own privilege that shrouds the plight of groups who are further oppressed. While this is a valid point, it is important to note that such critiques are made in retrospect. It is somewhat anachronistic to judge the contributions of thinkers such as Olympe de Gouge with contemporary standards. And as we observed just a moment ago, she did in fact express her disdain for the unjust treatment and lack of rights attributed to colonized people of color. Though it may not live up to what we expect from social activists today, we as modern readers must recognize that intersectionality is a relatively recent phenomenon. In spite of various qualms one might have about Olympe de Gouge, it is safe to say that she is a notable thinker worth studying and a trailblazer in the history of female political thought. Even though her feminist demands were not exclusive to her, her writings reflect the significant events in history that prompted her response and provide insight into how one form of feminism began. Her zealous, emotive, and sarcastic tone make her writing personal and appealing even to an audience centuries later. And needless to say, the Declaration of the Rights of Women and the Female Citizen has had a powerful influence on the trajectory of modern feminism and women's political theory. Although Olympe de Gouges was unable to convince men and women of her day to implement substantial socio-legal changes to gender relations in civic life, she is remembered today for her radical challenges to the hypocrisies of classical liberalism and for disseminating powerful ideas that would later empower women to reclaim their equal status at work, at home, and in politics. For these active efforts, she would certainly earn a place in Christine de Pizan's City of Ladies, were it real. It is thanks to writers like Olympe de Gouges, listeners like those of you hearing this podcast, and educators who teach us to pay attention to lesser-known female thinkers, that we are able to appreciate the contributions of great women who came before us and shaped the very societies we live in today. It is imperative to expand our literary and political canon to include marginalized voices in order to understand the lived experiences of others and build a cohesive, inclusive society that promotes the flourishing of all its members. As privileged and responsible citizens, we owe this to one another and to posterity. This concludes today's episode of A Woman's Food for Thought. 
If you enjoyed this episode, join me next time as we travel to Asia and look into the life and writing of He Yin Zen, an anarcho-feminist from the early 20th century.